Hello, gardeners, farmers, compost enthusiasts, and growers. Welcome to The Healthy Garden, the show where soil is important and growing a healthier world is job one. Hello, all of you seasonal gardeners. Welcome to episode number 41 of The Healthy Garden podcast. Fall is the season of change. We need to know the seasons like the back of our hands. We need to be in tune with the timing, the changes, the ebb and flow of our seasonal clocks. And no season is more important than fall. Fall is a mythical time for many cultures. It is a magical time for others. It is a time of great reflection for some people. And for others, it is a time when the earth starts its preparation to die back in on itself as it cycles towards the hardness and finality of winter. Fall is a time when the light from the sun becomes less strong and less abundant. It is the season of darkness. For me, as the world slips further into darkness these days, it's time for action. It is a time to consider the truth, the choices that we've made, the lies that we've held on to, the disassociation with things real. Shakespeare wrote in A Midsummer Night's Dream, The childing autumn, angry winter change, their wanted liveries, and the mazed world, by their increase, now knows not which is which. Titania's lines reference how in Europe during the 1590s, Bad weather had ruined crops that caused food shortages and later inflation, hunger, and disease. Fall is just weeks away. It begins on Tuesday, September 21st, our beautiful daughter's birthday, and goes through December 21st. It's time to get ready. We've already been living through a hellish metaphorical fall for months, and this fall has rained down violence and hatred and division. It has left a cloud over the land, leaving people confused and lost. No direction home. The sun has been blotted out by the blistering wind of lies and deception surrounding the coronavirus situation. Inflation, hunger, disease, food shortages, they're here. So is bankruptcy, mental illness, alcoholism, addiction, and a complete disregard for the truth. And what is right and what is wrong. Basic morality has abandoned the minds and the hearts, and worse, the souls, of an increasingly godless society. The days of darkness, the autumn of America, and the world is here. What do we do? What can you do? Prepare. We can prepare for the long days of fall and winter ahead. We can look back at what other folks did to prepare, and we can look forward to how we can get ready, how our gardens and our hearts can light the way.
Hey there, fall gardeners. Fall is for composting. There is no time of the year better than fall to recharge your garden soil. Our friends at Malibu Compost always say, feed your soil, feed your soul. Now is the time to pick up several bags of Booze Blend compost from Malibu Compost at your favorite local independent nursery, hardware store, or grow shop, or get it from them online at www.malibucompost.com. Remember, feed your soil today. David Bowie snuck to the city Made all the garbage look pretty Say, there's a genie in there And I'm gonna smoke him out A hookah in the gay bar Living like a rock star And he says too far out To be going down But I'm still down Yeah You say, baby, love me I say, do I get to Darkness or uncertainty, it's good to grab on to those things that comfort us. Why don't we all sing this song together? Open our heads, let the pictures come. And if we all close our eyes together, then we will see where we all come from. Sing this all together from the Rolling Stones is one of those things. I used to sing it to myself sometimes when I was a teenager and I felt off or that the world was too big of a mess for my teenage brain to handle. It would comfort me. It's the same thing for me today when I pick up my Bible and read a passage. It comforts me, awakens me. I hear the voice there that I know is the truth, God's voice. I can only imagine how people who don't know how to fend for themselves must be feeling today. The fear that they are feeling must be huge. To not know how to grow food or gather essentials for survival or have no compass other than the hollow slogans and voices of people who really have nothing to offer. I feel sorry for the kids on the streets today who never had leaders, teachers, mentors, or family who taught them about the soil, the importance of the warmth of the sun, and what that meant to crops, the earth, the dirt. Fall is a great time for reflection. It's a great time to look back at lessons learned from the past, for the signs and guideposts that we have been given on how to survive and how to find the sustenance that our families will need, our communities will need, to get through the changing of the fall and the long, cold winter ahead. One of my favorite sayings ever is that you can't eat money. It was coined by Alanis Obamswin, a Canadian filmmaker of Abenaki descent. She is quoted as saying, Canada, the most affluent of countries, operates on a depletion economy which leaves destruction in its wake. Your people are driven by a terrible sense of deficiency. When the last tree is cut, the last fish is caught, and the last river is polluted, when to breathe the air is sickening, you will realize too late 
that wealth is not in bank accounts and that you can't eat money. That's a great perspective. It's one that I believe is true. I have my own version of this, which I call lack mentality. That is what a depletion economy is. The question of such big, bold statements is how do we fix the problem? Where do we start? The answer is always at home. What do we do in our own homes? How do we combat consumerism and the environment? I saw a politician who loves to lecture all of us on the environment throw a bowl of boxed macaroni and cheese into a microwave as she continued to lecture us on one of her social media posts. I thought to myself, wow, she is so disconnected from reality and where the food comes from and what it took to get her that box of mac and cheese so that she can eat while she points her finger at us. She has no idea what she's doing talking about or even saying she has no experience to back up her bullshit. I find that with most politicians and so-called leaders of movements, when I really look at them and boil it down to the facts of who they really are and what they are actually saying and really selling, because I've read their mission statements on the websites of the groups they run or looked at the policies and programs that politicians are running during their campaigns. I can make an accurate assessment of whether or not I believe in any of the posturing, pontificating, or change that these groups and leaders are calling for. Because I've done the research. Look them up. I believe that change begins at home. If I want to change something... I start by looking in the mirror, not at you, not at the government, not at the alleged problem, but at myself. And I ask myself how I can be a part of the solution. There's an old saying that I really like. It goes like this. If you aren't a part of the solution, then you're part of the problem. So what can we learn about our ancestors and how they dealt with the coming of fall and the changing of the season? For fall in Appalachia, families prepared all year long. During the spring and summer, they planted their crops and tended them. In the fall, they harvested, preserved, and canned food. They also prepared for the coming winter by making candles, and many of them also made their own clothing and rope. Can you imagine the people out on the streets today doing any of those things? (laughs) I can't. Don't you know that food, clothes, rope, that all comes from the store. So what happens to a group of people or a society that destroys its economy, burns down and loots its stores, leaves the modern city people without a way to get food or clothes? Those same people, they think that water comes from a faucet, from a sink, And protection, that comes from the police. Well, it used to anyway, until in some places people decided that they didn't need any security, any protection, unless you're a politician or a celebrity who needs 24-hour security details. Personally, I think we need protection, and I believe in the Second Amendment. I know how to protect my home and my family. No one is going to come to my home and threaten my family without a welcoming committee. Mariachis, please.
I can never get enough mariachis. I guess the reason that we're always hounding all of you to grow food, stock up, can, preserve, start seeds, have water on hand, know how to survive, know how to protect yourself, is because you can't trust the system to take care of you. That's not its job. Its job is to govern. And trust me, you don't want the government deciding for you what and when you can eat and if you'll eat. Just look up the Bolsheviks. As if growing crops and then harvesting them wasn't tough enough in Appalachia, can you imagine any of the news anchors or snarky reporters or late-night TV hosts having to harvest crops to eat as they did in biblical times? Can you see Colbert or Bill Maher with a scythe or a sickle cutting down wheat to make their bread? Come on, Colbert, cut that wheat down. (laughs) Come on, Maher, more wheat, faster, more. We're depending on you. (laughs) In biblical times, harvesting the crops involved cutting the standing grain with scythes tying the stalks into sheaves, and transporting the harvested crops into the threshing area. You may ask yourself, threshing area? Threshing is the process of loosening the edible part of grain from straw. It is the step in processing grain after reaping. Threshing may be done by beating the grain using a flail on a threshing floor. It doesn't separate the bran from the grain. Reaping or harvesting was done with a sickle held in one hand while a bunch of stalks was seized with the other. The reapers were led by a foreman, and behind them came others who were taking part in the harvest, the young men and women of the village or town. The poor did not work in the harvest, but they were allowed by religious law to have any grains that the reapers dropped or missed. In fact, in Leviticus 19 and 23-22, The law specified that a corner of the field had to be left for the poor. This part of the field could not be harvested by the landowner. The separation of grain from the stalks was done on hard, flat rocks on a threshing floor. This was usually located outside the city or town in a spot where the prevailing westerly wind could help with the winnowing. The threshing floor was a wide open space also used for public functions. Winnowing, you say? What the heck is winnowing? Well, my dear pals at Merriam-Webster define it as a transitive verb that means to treat something, such as grain, by exposure to a current of air so that waste matter is eliminated. So back to the biblical aspect of winnowing. After winnowing was completed, the farmer was left with several products. One, the grain itself. Two, a coarse, thick straw suitable for kindling or as binding in brick making. Three, a finer straw that was the main component of animal fodder. And last but not least, number four, a fine residue, a dust or powder, left on the threshing floor that was used as packing material around the grain-filled storage jars. I can definitely see the political pundits, politicians, and peaceful protesters of Portlandia, a.k.a. rioters, going through this harvest process each fall to survive, can't you? Medieval farming was almost as fun as biblical farming. 
The men, women, and children of the village all worked together from sunup till sundown to get the harvest in. If they didn't get the harvest in on time, then the wheat would be destroyed by the cold and the rain and the village was likely to face starvation. With no machines in the Middle Ages to harvest, harvesting was still being done by hand using a scythe. It was backbreaking and exhausting. And it was done with only a very short break for lunch. One break. They also used the autumn and winter months to collect fresh eggs from their chickens. The peasants of the medieval villages used baskets during the late summer and autumn to collect berries from the hedgerows and fruit from the trees planted in the orchards. Like some of this, they had to collect wood for fires to make sure that a good stock was built up before the cold winter months ahead. The children would be sent out to the woods to collect twigs and branches while the men would use axes to chop down trees for wood. One of my two favorite medieval farming practices was their practice of fertilizing. They would collect horse, oxen, and pig droppings. They'd collect them until they had enough to dig into the fields before the seeds were sown and the vegetables were planted. Sometimes human droppings would also be used, not my favorite, and in today's world of pharmaceuticals and toxic GMO diets, I definitely would not recommend that at home. My other favorite medieval farming protocol was called scaring the birds, literally. This really was a protocol and a highly important one to the peasant villagers. They did this right after seeding, and since some of us are about to be ready to direct sow into our beds, I thought I'd mention it. Once the seeds had been sown in the village plots, it was very important for them to make sure that the birds did not eat all of the seeds. If they didn't have food, they'd die. They'd starve. They had no markets. What they would do is they'd have the children as young as three or four go out into the fields to run, shout, and clap their hands to scare the birds away. They also used drums, belts, and sticks to make a noise that would scare the birds. The kids pretty much loved this job. Notice they didn't use medieval teenagers. They were probably, well, never mind. As we can see from the past, the fall gardening and preparation for the fall is serious business. We still take it that way at our house because at our home, we practice as much self-sufficiency as possible. Up next, we'll go through what you want to do to get that fall garden ready. It's Norma, biological farmer and producer of the Healthy Garden Podcast. I've had issues with sowing my seeds in the past because a lot of seed starters have large chunks of wood or perlite that get in the way of the seed's growth. 
But Malibu Compost has a new product called Booze Beginning Seed Starter. And I use it and will use it exclusively now and forever. It has 25% of Booze Blend in it and is light, fluffy, and holds moisture to help germinate your seeds. It's also true organic and non-GMO. It comes in a 12-quart bag and you can get it online at malibucompost.com. Just go to the online store and click Potting Soil at the drop-down menu. Remember that their online prices include the shipping costs. You will never sow your seeds the same way again. If you're like me, you love the fall. I don't know many people who don't like the changing of the seasons, the colors of the fall leaves, pumpkin lattes, pumpkins on your doorstep, and pumpkin pies. I love pumpkin pie. My gram used to make the best pumpkin pies back in Jersey ever. Wow, I could use a slice or three of Graham's pies right now. You see, I love the nostalgia of fall. I love the Americana around it and the remembrance of Jamestown, Thanksgiving and the awesomeness of that first chill in the autumn air. I don't want to reimagine my life. I don't want to reimagine life or the world that I live in. I want to remember. I want to remember my gram and my pop and the people who have made a difference in my life. I want to remember the good so that I can share it with the world and hope to aspire to the greatness of my grandfather, Doc Hilliard, a hometown local physician who came from nothing to become a great man who helped many people, rich, poor, down the middle, white, black, Asian, Latino, young and old. I met many of them when I'd go on house calls with my pop and then at his funeral where hundreds of people braved a frozen fall morning to pay their respects to a man who taught me a lot about life. That's another thing that I remember about the fall. I also want to remember the bad things that I've seen, that I've learned, that hopefully I can share about and use as a tool for teaching and for road mapping what not to do and what mistakes to try and never make again. I love the fall. With three and a half weeks to go until fall, I guess there is... No time like now to figure out the fall garden if we haven't already. And the place we're going to start is first, seeds. If you're going to start from the beginning, then you're going to want to think about seeds. That's what we do. To grow from seed in any area that freezes, you will want to count back 12 to 14 weeks. So for many of my friends in the northern climates, you're already too late. But you can still direct sow or start sourcing places with some decent organic starts. If you're going to use starts, remember the trick that we taught you about shaking off the crummy nursery soil from around the roots as much as you can without destroying them, and then planting in good, true organic soil. For everyone in the warmer climates, you're still good to start seeds or to get ready to direct sow. 
Number two, soil. As you know, the only thing that really matters to me is soil. If you grow and maintain healthy soil, then you pretty much have everything that you need to keep your garden, your farm, your community plot going. Healthy soil is the key to a healthy garden, period. Now is the time, as your summer garden starts to finish up, to focus on feeding the soil. Say what? Yeah, that's what I said, feeding the soil. Start with making several five-gallon buckets of compost tea and drenching the soil everywhere that you intend to plant for the fall. Your containers, your raised beds, your in-ground beds, anywhere that the soil could use a shot in the arm. Next, you're going to want to compost. I'd wait a week after your tea drenching, which puts us in September. Then you're going to put down an inch of 100% finished true organic compost. It could be a combination of what you made at home and the store-bought 100% non-GMO farm-made true organic compost that we tell you to use all the time. And if you don't have any compost that you made at home, get the good store-bought compost. You'll be fine. Be very careful with compost. Most of the stuff out there is an absolute waste management garbage. It's crap. It's not finished. Its inputs are not true organic. The animal waste in it is fed non-GMO feeds, and the compost is usually done incorrectly, and the product is never 100% finished, which causes stress and toxicity to your beautiful garden. So get the soil ready and fed and recharged before you plant anything. Capiche? Number three, what are you going to grow? We know the fall crops, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, beets, cabbage, cauliflower, kale, kohlrabi, broccolini, arugula, turnips, radishes, beets, carrots, celery, fennel, parsley, cilantro, lettuces, spinach. Listen to that list. You got a ton of great stuff that works in the fall garden. Remember, plant what you eat plant what you use. There's nothing like having everyone in your family look at your harvest basket and go, yuck, I hate that stuff. Especially if you have teenagers. Number four, get it in the ground. A couple of things to remember. Look at various seasonal planting calendars if you don't know when you get your first killing frost. That is what farmers and gardeners call a 28-degree night. Cold temperatures can start early and come and go for weeks in the fall. Heat streaks can happen as well. We've had times where we've had to water a lot during a late southern blast of heat and wind, and then a week later had a night that would chill down into the 30s and had to cover many of our more temperamental plants with blankets and sheets. Number five, watering. It's the key besides soil. Late summer and early fall drought stress can really hurt many of your fall crops. Lack of water and dryness can take all of the energy out of your beets and carrots and completely retard the growth of very temperamental cauliflower. It's imperative to keep those newly planted beds moist long enough for seeds to germinate. You should also have really good luck germinating cabbage, collards, arugula, and turnips because the seeds naturally germinate quickly, usually in around five days or so. Beets, carrots, spinach, lettuces, they take a little bit more time, so make sure to keep those beds moist. If you're in a spot where the soil gets blasted from the late summer, early fall sun, 
then you can put up some quick shade cloth lean-tos with bamboo stakes and ties. Or you can start them in a greenhouse and then transfer them when they're ready. Number six, timing. There is no exact science on getting stuff out. There's a few good rules of thumb, though, that we can follow. 10 to 12 weeks before the first frost, you can get your broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, kale, kohlrabi, seedlings into the ground. You can also plant celery, fennel, and parsley, too. Also, direct sow beets, carrots, leeks, lettuce, and radishes. 8 to 10 weeks before the frost, you can direct sow arugula, cabbage, lettuce, turnips, spinach, mustard, and Asian greens. Also, make sure to sow more of your lettuces and radishes. Finally, six to eight weeks before you frost, you can still sow spinach. In colder climates, you can still, at this point, make a final sowing of lettuce if it's under a tunnel or a cold frame. In the warmer climates where we live, sow away uncovered. Maturity dates are another good thing to keep in mind in terms of timing. It's a good thing to have in the back of your mind or in the front of your mind as you're planting or sowing. Lettuce, 50 days. Arugula, 40 days. Chard, 55 days. Spinach, 45 days. Kale, 60 days. Broccoli, 80. Cauliflower, 75. Cabbage, 95. Beets, 60. Radishes, 30. Kohlrabi, 60. Turnips, 50. Carrots, 80. It's a good thing to know that as you're getting it into the garden. Number seven, pests. You will have different pests in different climates. You can go back to episode number 30, Practical Pest Management, to check out some really solid tips on managing pests. In cooler climates, you may even need to add a lightweight insect barrier row cover. The change is coming. The days are about to be short and the nights are about to get long. Getting in the garden is positive. Growing food and providing safety and security for you and your family and friends is positive. There's a lot of folks out there who want to feel bad or who want you to feel bad or who want you to think that you need them, that they're important. They're not. They don't know half of what you know as a person who digs in the dirt, sows a seed, plants the future. Remember to breathe. Remember to smile. We've had turmoil in the past. We've had illness in the past. We've had bad ideas come and go during the history of mankind. Don't lose sight of what's important. Don't lose your instinct to survive. Don't let those who know not what they speak guide your ship. Turn back to the earth, the soil, the microbes, the truth of creation that lies in the seeds that you sow. That is a legacy to teach others. I'm going to spend my days gardening and growing and reflecting on the beauty of this world, not the ugliness that the media wants me to swallow every day. Fall is around the corner, my friends. I love the fall. I love the fall air. I love the memories that it brings. I'm going to slow it down a little. Finish preparing our garden. Breathe. Meditate. Pray. And enjoy the shifting of the calendar from summer to fall. Because fall is the season of change. 
That concludes this episode of the Healthy Garden Podcast. Please post your questions on the Healthy Garden Podcast pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join us next week to learn more about how you can free yourself from the chemical and synthetic trap that's been set to keep you from growing a true, organic, and healthy garden. Until then, happy and healthy gardening.